0: This is the Byron Bledsoe podcast. Senior pastor of C3 Church in Orlando, Florida. Thank you so much for checking out today's message. We hope this word encourages you and inspires you. Let's jump into the message.
1: Problem with our view of marriage is you grow up um, hearing fairy tales and the the wedding. Um, is the end of the story it's the it's it's when the happily ever after is 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 an ethereal concept that comes after the wedding and it just magically appears and you don't see the rest of the story
0: Ralph Poe said, we love with a love that was more than love. And isn't that what we want? When we think of being in love, it, that, that word love seems so inadequate, so insignificant, so small compared to what we actually feel. And if you want to be married, if you're dating, you're chasing this. We want to love. We want to love with a love that's more than love. And he summed that statement up. It was 1986, the very first time I ever saw my bride, Angie. We were in high school. I remember exactly where I was Uh, when I met her. I'd gone over to someone's house, a friend's house uh, on Gladys in Beaumont, and the very first time I saw her, I'll never forget it. We began dating sometime later the following year, and we shared a locker when we were in high school at Westbrook and went to high school dances and Had that whole high school dating experience. And we've now celebrated 31 years of being married. And in those years, there's some things that I'm learning that I want to share with you because I, I think you can learn from some mistakes that I've made and from some of the pain that I've had to walk through. One of the things I'm learning when it comes to marriage, always go first, but always be last. We were married in 1989, and in 1989, I loved her. I remember our first apartment at Courts of Beaumont, and I remember I worked at the plumbing department at M&D Supply, Ace Hardware Store, and she worked at the Christian Bookstore, and I was going to school, and life was fast-paced, but it was awesome. I loved her, but I loved me more. I began the marriage with an attitude that was selfish, Not intentionally, I was blind to it, but it was all about how she made me feel, how she made me look, and it took me years to begin to grasp, that's not love. In love, you always go first, but always be last. Go first in apologizing, go first in listening, go first in forgiving, go first in serving, But always be last. Always be last in your own mind. Always be last in letting the other person go first. Always be last in what house we buy or where we go to eat or where we go on vacation. Be last in telling the story. Let the other person shine. Always go first, but always be last. That means deciding every single day, guys, that she matters more. Deciding every single day, ladies, that he matters more. Scripture says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it's been called the love chapter of the Bible. It's where God, the creator of love, lays out what love really looks like. And 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4 says, Love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self seeking. That's not love. So decide every day that he matters most, decide every day that she matters most. And in part, because I didn't do that early on, we went through a season where our focus was no longer on being together. And Angie and I ended up separating. We were filing for divorce. Everything was done. All of the details about who would get what and what it would look like with our four kids. And, you know, how they would split time and share time. And how we would no longer be married but co-parent. All of that was worked out. And I remember the Sunday, August 14th, 2011. We were meeting at the time at Regal Cinemas, C3 Church, and that was the Sunday I would stand in front of the church as a pastor and announce that my marriage was over. I still feel that day. I remember going in the theater across the hall, and weeping like a baby before I had to go in the room and stand in front of people and, and share something so deeply personal that was overwhelmingly painful. Have you ever felt so much pain that it, it, you were just numb? The two things I remember, I remember the feeling of that day. And I remember the moment that Angie and I had to look into the eyes of our four kids and have that talk. Some of the talk that the same talk that some of you have had of hey, it's it's not you. We love you. It's gonna be okay. Our marriage is over, but but we both love you, and it's not your fault. And some of you, you know what it's like to look into the eyes of your kids. And know that the words you're speaking are causing some of the greatest pain they will ever have to process. I remember how broken I felt. I remember how hopeless I felt. Some of you have walked through that devastating pain and it wasn't your choice. Your your spouse made that choice. You had no control over it. Some of you, there, there were things that you needed to get away from. Maybe it was a an abusive relationship. Your story is not my story, but for my story, um, a lot of it had to do with how selfish I was.
1: He takes, he takes everything on himself and
0: he, you know, he,
1: he, anytime you hear him talk about it, he's going to, he's self deprecating in the sense of I should have done more. I should have, I should have been more healing. I should have, you know, The truth is that, um, when we don't deal with our past, it will deal with us and around my mid thirties, all of a sudden the defense mechanisms that I have had in dealing with trauma from my childhood or my past, any, any, um, Negative things that had kind of shaped my view of relationships and the world and even God um, started failing me, started to crumble, and then um, the we we transitioned the church, and that was fraught with uh, pain and loss and betrayal and. So that was, that was kind of the thing that, for me, the straw that broke the camel's back or the thing that ushered in this feeling of I, rather than facing the truth about um, the situations and things that had been, uh, that I had been exposed to or that had been done to me, um, people in my life that had been careless with me as a child, um, rather than facing that, I, I chose to basically just burn it down, just, just blow up my life because I didn't feel that my children deserved a mother like me, that my husband deserved a wife like me. And so I was going to do everything to just destroy it. So I was in a, just a complete spiral of self-destruction And that is what caused our separation. And Byron very graciously um, takes it on himself. Now, it's, you know, every relationship has components. So when you marry someone in your teen, 19 years old, and you don't understand what they're going through, I didn't understand what he was going through, he didn't understand... You don't really know everything you don't always respond in the right way um but it it just took a a supernatural it just took the grace of god you know and the fact that we're together today is a tribute to god's healing power but also byron just refused to go just refused And so now, on the other side of it, you have two people that have been through a lot. Two people that have been that have been hurt and betrayed and uh, been through a lot. But neither one of us are going to go. So it's that stubbornness that, uh, that refusal to give in, um,
0: that can save you. And God restored our marriage. Now, if you've walked through it and God didn't restore your marriage, you are not a second class citizen. Your future is no less valuable. You are no less loved by God. You have your journey. We have our journey. But in our lives, God restored our marriage. And he did that to a large degree because we both made a decision. It was a decision. We had two options, together or apart. And we chose. We chose. And we chose together and we chose to do everything we needed to do to restore the marriage. See, love has a greater chance of flourishing if it's your only option. And I'm so glad we chose what we chose because from that moment, ending our marriage has never been an option again for either one of us. When it's your only option to love, to to stay engaged, to stay connected, To do whatever it takes. You have a greater focus on making it better. 2 Corinthians chapter 13 verse 7 says. Love always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always perseveres. Love never fails. Another thing I'm learning. That I wish I'd known. Especially in those early years of the marriage. Use a tone that creates a home. Use a tone that creates a home. How we say things. I think it's important to use a soft tone. And the more emotion we feel and the more passion behind it, and sometimes the deeper the argument or the deeper the division, and maybe we're on completely different pages about what we're discussing, the more important it becomes to use a soft tone. Small, insignificant comments and actions make a big difference. And guys, can I just say this to you gentlemen? The comments we make and the tone that we use and how we say what we say, how I say what I say to my bride, how you say what you say to your bride, those things are cumulative. As a guy, often we, the way we're wired, women are wired differently. They have a much higher emotional intelligence naturally than we do. And they're able to process, generally speaking, a, a lot more things at one time than we are. Guys, we can shake it off, move on. But but for ladies, how we function and how we communicate and what we say, it is cumulative. It builds up over time. So with every comment and with the tone that you use and how you're communicating, you are investing in a better future and more connectedness? Or you are speaking in a way... And communicating in a way, even with looks, that erodes the future that you would prefer. 1 Corinthians, again the love chapter, chapter 13, verse 1 says, If I speak in the tongues of men or angels, such eloquence. If I speak in the tongues of men or angels, but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or clanging cymbal. So you may be making noise, but is the noise even valuable? Is your noise, is your tone creating harmony or racket? Another thing I'm learning, God picked only you to love this one person in a way that heals them. Byron
1: and I got married very young, um, practically teenagers. He was still technically in his teens. I wasn't because I'm older. But I understand why people say well, we got married too young and we changed we just grew into different people because change is going to happen and growth is going to happen it's just a matter of which direction and so the disadvantage of marrying young is complicated but it also provides the advantage of so many years of growing together and and learning how to overcome your own baggage and help them in the process of growing and overcoming their baggage.
0: God often heals people through people. Some relationships are healing, some are damaging, but the reality is all of us have baggage. All of us come into a marriage with baggage and how your dad treated you how your mom treated you what you saw in their interaction with each other. All of us come into that relationship with baggage. Sometimes it's the baggage of a previous relationship or previous marriage. Every one of us, every single person is broken in some way. None of us are perfect. And this, this relationship, marriage, can be healing. I remember when Angie and I made the decision to do whatever it would take to restore the marriage. After we'd separated, we were living in, you know, we had different addresses, and we were navigating, balancing, co-parenting, and and we made that decision, and uh, we moved back into the same address. One of the things I determined... Because I had learned more about Angie because I had stopped being so selfish. Now, I still have a selfish nature. You have a selfish nature. That's kind of our default position. We have to fight against that. That's who we are. Uh, But one of the things I began to learn was more about Angie on a deeper level. I became more interested in knowing, hey, why this? And and why that? And what, what causes this reaction? What causes this feeling? And as I learned more about Angie and more specifically about the relationship she had uh, with her biological father and her mother, the more determined I became to love her in a way that would be healing. When you love someone, you consider what they've been through. You consider the experiences they've had. You're more sensitive in certain areas because of how you know that individual. It might be something that you might not have to be sensitive or aware of with other people, but but when you know your spouse on that level, hey, God picked out of everybody on the planet, you, to love this one person in a way that heals them. Scripture says, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way, own way. It is not irritable and it keeps no record of being wronged. You married an imperfect person. But guess what? So did your spouse. And each of you, God has picked to love the other. In a way that is healing. Another thing I'm learning. Be the kind of person that the person you're looking for would be looking for. Be the kind of person that the person you're looking for would be looking for. Now, you, you might hear that and think, wait wait a minute, I, I'm married. What are you talking about? Well, I want to talk to those of you that are dating for just a moment about this idea of marriage. The thing that Edgar Allan Poe summed up that you're chasing and wanting at some point potentially in your life. When you're dating, you don't fall in love. You fall into attraction. You fall into, oh my gosh, you fall into holy smoke. You fall into other things that I can't say right now. You don't don't fall into love. You fall into attraction. You leap into love. When Angie and I first met, that that first time I saw her that I told you about at that house on Gladys, I was not a Christ follower. I didn't have Jesus in my life and I didn't live like I had Jesus in my life. Three weeks after I became a Christ follower, months later, I was invited by a friend, that same friend, to her house to what I thought was going to be a party. And it was a party from some of our friends at church and it was the kind of party that it's okay if mom and dad know you're going to that party. and um, So I went. And <laughs> When I rang the doorbell to the Crim's home, my friend Melissa, it was her house. When I rang the doorbell, she looked at Angie. Angie was already over there. Angie and Melissa were friends. And she looked at Angie and said, uh, he doesn't know that he's coming to go on a date with you tonight. He thinks he's coming to a party. And then she went downstairs to answer the door. And Angie and I talked about all the feelings she felt in that moment. Uh, she, knew, she knew that we were going on a date that night. And she thought I came with that understanding. And I had no idea until Melissa answered the door and told me, hey, Uh, her and the person she was dating at the time and me and Angie, that, that night was a date. That was three weeks after I committed my life to Christ. I'm so glad that Angie and I did not start dating before I was a Christ follower because I was not the kind of person that she would have been looking for. That's true in dating, but it's also true in marriage. Be the kind of person that your spouse is looking for. Be the kind of person day by day that your spouse is looking for. What's what's equally important to who you marry is how you do marriage. And to do marriage in a healthy way, you have to view your spouse in the best way. Again, 1 Corinthians love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. God is laying out, this is what love looks like. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes, it always perseveres. Love never fails. Marriage is a journey, but you continue to pursue love as the only option, loving deeper and trusting God. Now, the only way that you can be the husband that you want to be, the only way that you could ever be the wife that you want to be, the only way you can be the person that you really want to be is to know God in a personal way. Because remember, you have baggage, I have baggage, we're all broken. So the only way to live the life God created you to live is with his presence in your life. The only way I can experience the life he created for me is to know him in a personal way. So if that's the step you need to take, I want to invite you to pray a very simple prayer. Hey, today's your day. I want to invite you to pray a simple prayer to invite Christ to come into your life, to help you be the person you want to be, to help you be the husband you'd like to be now or you'd like to be someday, to help you be the wife you'd like to be now or you'd like to be someday. If that's what you want, just bow your heads and close your eyes and pray this simple prayer. Jesus, I invite you to come into my life, to be my personal Lord. As best I know how, I commit my life to you. Please forgive me of my sin. Thank you for loving me and coming into my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey,
1: thanks so much for joining us today. We hope this message encouraged you and inspired you. Would you share it with someone that you're connected with? And also, if you want to be a part of supporting this incredible life-giving movement, you can text C3 Orlando to 77977. You can also go to our safe and secure giving website at givec3.cc. Listen, we love you guys. We're praying for you. We'll see you next week.